0: Hello, and welcome to Kids' Stuff, a haunted MTL podcast, a Chucky podcast, and I just realized I reversed those two. (laughs) So, um, we are talking a new episode of Chucky this week. Uh, I have a guest with me, a new guest. This is uh, Corey Smith. Corey, say hello. Hi. Hello. Okay. So, uh, you've caught up with the show. Yes. Um, Now, what got you started watching the show? Uh, I actually,
1: you know, weirdly enough, I didn't know it existed at all until uh, I saw you talking about it.
0: Haha, so (laughs) I am doing a service, so John Mancini, call me, hire me for the show to publicize it. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, Okay, so uh, Corey, um, you've you've listened to the show, so tell me, um, what is it that you do? Why did I bring you on? Okay. Um <laughs> well, as far as
1: uh, your intentions, I can't speak to what's going on in that big goofy head of yours, but uh <laughs> I uh I am a VFX artist and compositor for a living. I work in film and television um in post post production and stuff. Um and I have been for god, uh 15 years now,
0: something like that. Yeah, cuz um, we've known each other for a while.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we have um we I used to make really, really bad comics and then I moved on to making really bad art for
0: films. So <laughs> uh, so so can you talk about some of like the films that you've worked on? Sure, sure. Um, let me let
1: me try to remember all the horror. Yeah, just things. pull yourself up on my on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, see what so, my greatest hits are. <laughs> the the first thing I actually worked on would have been um I think was the first Thor movie. Mm. Um, but that was back when I was doing like when I first started in the industry I was doing um, 3D uh, Mm. those 3D conversions right for stereoscopic 3D stuff but um, I've always been into film it was always it was always like I always wanted to be in the film industry in one way or another my dad uh, was in the film industry he's the one that like I got my love for horror movies from him Mm -hmm. and um, he, uh, he used to he did camera work on some like real low budget Films like uh, there was a movie called Born the Body Organ Replacement Network. Did, did, like he,
0: did he ever work with uh, Roger Corman? You know, I think he has met Roger Corman, but mm. I, don't, I don't think like ever, everybody in Hollywood has met
1: Roger Corman. Yeah, at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and Bill Paxton. I know he mm. is something R. Filmed, R. like Bill. a chase scene in a Bill Paxton movie or something like that. Oh,
0: <laughs> uh, so okay so you were doing the uh, 3d on thor is there anything more recent you can talk about um, oh yeah well i mean uh so it's it's all like
1: it's post and we we always mm-hmm. we pick up shots from all over the place but i mean i've worked on thor was what in 2011 mm-hmm. uh i what i the current job that i have is at a place that mostly does stuff for netflix actually it's, mm-hmm. it's entirely it, it's partially owned by netflix so oh um, well, there you go. We worked on like the irregulars space force Okay. Uh, Avenue Five, Auntie Donna's big house of fun, big old house of fun. I
0: think is what I, it was I've called. seen that. I, I I haven't seen the show, but I've seen previews, and it looks like a fun sketch comedy thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And we also worked on um, we did him. I think it was a movie called Nightbooks. Okay. Um, and that was uh, like a, that was like a, R.L. Stein, Stephen King inspired thing. And oh, there um, you go. Yeah, <laughs> we work on a lot of stuff. It's the kind of thing. Uh, when Especially when you're working on, like, um, compositing, you know, usually a quick turnaround kind of compositing shots, especially. You work on a lot of projects throughout the year, so.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I imagine that. you've got, like, and considering, like, how Netflix is producing, like, 50 billion shows a year, I'm sure you've yeah. got, like, a ton of work stuff you're doing. You yeah. know, the most disturbing part about this whole conversation was 2011 was 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I feel so old now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So... All right, so you you know you you work in the industry, which means you are going to have some fun insight. But let's let's talk about horror for a second. What is your sure. experience with horror film? Like, not because not, I know you haven't really like worked on any, but right. you've watched a bunch of them.
1: Um, so uh, a lot of it was just uh, growing up with my dad. Uh, mm-hmm. I just he would always like give me like he, like give me a VHS tape and be like, "Here, watch this." I'd be like, "What the hell is this?" You know, and I put it in. It'd be something wild and weird. Um. But uh, he always had an interest in horror movies, mostly because of, like, what aspiring filmmakers have, which is that they're generally a lot cheaper and easier to make than other kinds of film. And you also get a lot more leeway with, like, creativity that you can do and
0: stuff. Right. Well, and especially when your dad was probably working in the industry because so much of the the horror film was going, like, direct-to-video, direct-to-tape to to be, like, easily edited and distributed. Like, that's... uh, that's some of my my favorite like horror of the period is just like the quick like okay we've got a few VHS tapes let's stitch something <laughs> together
1: yeah see what we can make um the uh, so like I mean evil the Evil Dead series I uh-huh. think the first time I saw it, I think I the first one I saw was Army of Darkness but I saw it when I was like eight you know <laughs> yeah yeah but i was i was just like watch them on loop all the time evil dead and and uh, poltergeist was a little higher budget but like i oh, loved yeah. poltergeist and I, I would just i watched movies all day long every day just like <laughs> I, my vhs player was always going in my bedroom mm-hmm. regardless of what else i was doing and yep. um yeah so it, i love horror I, i've always had a soft spot for horror i watch all of it mm-hmm. i probably hate more than half of it
0: but i still watch it Cause I like, there's always something, you know. I'll look for yeah. little
1: moments to be like, oh, that was so cool," you know.
0: Like, like I'm I'm that way with like <laughs> all films now. Like, it takes a lot for me to hate a movie. I, I've like grown up in that regards. Um, yeah. You know, when I was in high school, I was a little cynical asshole, but um, <laughs> but no, it's like any movie now. There's something of value to it. So I'll watch it and go, "Oh no, no, that's cool." It's like that's maybe not how I would do it, but yeah. Um, you know, and like, okay, so do you have Shutter at all? I do. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that a great? thing i love shutter so much oh, even like uh, yeah oh. i like
1: i like shutter a lot but i have i've had some problems it's a movie i watched a movie on shutter that made me absolutely infuriated recently uh, okay i Let need to see. know
0: i need to know what movie that is uh because i want to watch it <laughs>
1: um, yeah i wait oh no wait i don't think this one was on shutter i what i watched was uh it was called meander Okay. I don't think it was on Shutter, but that that movie made me infuriated. There was something, on, there was something on here that I watched that drove me crazy, though. I can't remember. <laughs> what it was. I but I've watched like everything on Shutter. I mean, some some stuff definitely sticks out more than others just because it's so good. The Mortuary Collection was great.
0: Yes, yes, that Mortuary Collection. So so good. Um, <laughs> Clancy Brown is the mortician. Just uh, right, so perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, Shutter's had some original, uh, like some really good originals. Like I love uh, Host. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the zoom movie as it were. Cause yeah. I mean, it just talk about like lightning in the bottle and just a movie for the times, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it was, it looked like it was relatively like simple to do to a degree too, which is like, it's just like as a person who enjoys film, just kind of watching. It's like, man, I wish I had that idea.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I, I definitely Yeah. And that's definitely my connection with horror is that I feel like it's one of the, it's a place where create, where even though there's tropes and people repeat the same mistakes, all the time. Like Mm -hmm. there's so much room for creativity in it because when you're talking about like the smaller budget, people are more okay to green light. You doing something completely bizarre, Mm -hmm. like, like having a baby burst out of a man's genitals, you know, like, (laughs) or or like a basket case, you know, this guy
0: carries (laughs) a parasitic twin.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or (laughs) what's the one, uh, what is the movie? Is it this really bizarre eighties film where a guy has like, um, like a thing stuck in the back of his head that keeps it's oh. like a, it's like a creature that keeps shooting this goo in him that like it's like heroin or something going yeah. into his brain it makes oh. him feel good
0: i know the exact movie because joe bob showed it like last <laughs> season on the drive-in uh like yeah. brain something
2: oh I, yeah, I yeah.
0: but yeah no uh, <laughs> i i know that exact movie you're talking about that that was amazing i love that movie yeah because uh, it's from the guy who did um uh basket case in fact, mm-hmm. uh, like there's, uh, you see the character from Basket Case in that movie <laughs> as well, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, oh, okay, so uh, l- let's talk Chucky. Like specifically, like, what's your experience with the Chucky franchise?
1: Sure. So, uh, so the Chucky's a weird one because, um, as I, I want to say, I was maybe six years old, and I don't know how this happened, but it must have been. I don't know if dad was watching it or what. I just know it was on TV and I saw the majority of the first Child's Play movie when I mm-hmm. was very young. When I was about six years old yeah. and I was terrified of it. I mean, like I had nightmares for years about this damn doll. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was it was it was the worst. But um, but as I, you know, I got older and I finally like and I've, I've always I mean, like this is, if there's anything that creeps me out is dolls. It's mm-hmm. like some people is clowns. Some people it's you know, is certain kinds of ghosts or whatever. No, for me it's dolls. Dolls are mm-hmm. terrifying to me. Um but uh I finally got the courage up uh in my teenage years to like actually rewatch it. And uh and now it's like I'm I'm a I'm a fan of it. Mm-hmm. You know, 'cause um for one, and I don't I hope this isn't like upsetting to you, but like I don't think in general child's play is ever really that scary.
0: Oh no, like that's fine, like you know, it, is, it, it doesn't
1: really induce fear in me, I guess. It, as it
0: takes a lot to scare me. So like when I watch yeah. Child's Play, I'm not like I'm never like really afraid of anything. Like there's only a handful of movies where I'm like, oh God, okay, that actually scares me.
1: Right. But I also think I, I think something that's kind of maybe not completely unique, but something that is at its core with Child's Play is that even when it's not leaning full tilt into horror comedy, it's never really necessarily trying to be terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's just meant to be a wild ride, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, like see that. I mean, that's always the the sense that I got from it, right? Where you've got you've got your moments that are legitimately like kind of shocking mm-hmm. and you've got you got your moments, you know, like the where they play with which doll they're using, you know, which which version of like they got because they'll switch from scene to scene, you know, it'll be like, well, a really innocent looking one. And then they'll, like you might have a few frames of just the most terrifying face yeah on the doll you know and like that that it sticks in your brain and it is like it's it's creepy
0: yeah and i, I think it's that's kind of the difference out. like yeah uh, you know because scary not it's not always scary but it is always creepy mm-hmm. um like uh you know um one of my favorite moments in the original child's play is like the the burned out chucky doll just kind of walking down
2: the right. hallway and
0: you know and it's right. like, like it's not scary to me but it is creepy like i can imagine like and I think it's, maybe if I was in that situation it was happening to me, it would be scary. But because yeah. I'm, like, detached from it, it's creepy to me.
1: Right. And, like, that's the kind of thing where, like, you close your eyes later and you just see that image kind of burned mm-hmm. into your brain still. And, Especially, yeah, like, the I little mean,
0: teeth poking through. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a wonderfully creepy visual.
1: Yeah. And um, and it's always something that I've always really liked about the movies is that they they do a good job of kind of, like, they play with tone, right? They it's mm-hmm. generally I feel like the approach is to make the world of the Chucky movies, uh of Child's Play movies, like more surreal
0: a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I it's mean, it's kind like of heightened where, reality. Yeah, it's, a world where, it's a world where, like, Britney Spears is dead. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. Red Man's dead. <laughs> yeah, Martha Stewart got executed.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um but you also like it'll bring it'll kind of come back to reality when it's appropriate for. Like shocking moments, you know, where yeah. it's that, It's not like an old horror serial where it turns into a Dutch angle and it zooms in on the woman's face and she's just like screaming in the corner. You know, it happens sometimes, but mm-hmm. for the most part, like you kind of take your horror. It kind of like I was thinking about it the other day that it's, it kind of reminds me of like a little bit of how Ghostbusters did a good job of kind of writing that line where it's like the mm-hmm. characters take it, like even though it's not scary and it's not trying mm-hmm. to be scary in Ghostbusters. The yeah. characters take it seriously, so like the scary stuff, or the scary stuff that happens in Ghostbusters does scare those characters. Yeah, they're not like winking at the, the camera thumb. and being like, "Her, her, in this dumb." Like,
0: yeah, well, <laughs> except for maybe Vinkman a little bit.
1: Well, yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, no, it's like you, you take it on its own terms, and that's that's the thing. One of the things I love about Chucky is like, you know, I, I buy into the world, mm-hmm. no matter how weird and silly it is. It's like they they do it with enough earnestness that you're like, okay, yeah, no, I'm 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 along for the ride. I get what they're going with here. Let's right. just enjoy it, right? So, speaking of enjoying it, how are you enjoying the series as a whole so far? The 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 TV show,
1: I'm loving it actually. I think I think it's probably because I've been I just recently have been rewatching the whole movie series too, mm-hmm. and uh, I actually think I like this show more than the majority of the
0: movies. Well, and well, I mean that's perfectly fair. Like, so just what what's your favorite of the movies?
1: Um, so <laughs> that's actually changed in my recent rewatching too. I always <laughs> said that for the most part, my favorite was bride, mm-hmm. but I think that's just cause that's the one I was most familiar with. Cause it was always on TV Yeah, when I was, uh, younger. It was, it was, yeah, on that TV one was constantly. big on cable. Yeah. And, um, so I saw it so many times, um, re rewatching it. It's not like, I don't dislike that movie now, but I do feel like because it had that tone shift mm-hmm. with, um, universal taking it over and everything, it, that movie felt a little bit like it was sort of making fun of the series. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was leaning real hard into it being funny and it is funny. um, But it, it, it kind of was a a little something of the magic I think was maybe lost for a bit. And, um, and, but that it's first movie is definitely my favorite. I mean, it's just Mm. such a weird idea. It's executed with a level of artistry that, like the places where it's poorly done is in almost entirely due to budget. Yeah. It's it's uh it's a weird script. I don't know who said, yes, I want to do this, you know, or why anybody was down for it because it's it's so strange, especially because like the whole concept is weird from the get-go. Cause you yeah, you have your your horror set up where oh killer doll. All right, that could be scary. But you kind of undermine it right in the beginning of the movie by having this weird bedraggled serial killer guy that you're just kind of looks homeless running uh-huh. into a, a <laughs> toy store and then you're just like, Oh, this is just some asshole. Like, you know, so like it almost undermines the scariness of it, but at the same time it changes it into something that you're like, I've never seen anything like this before. This is this is weird.
0: Well you know? I, I- I, I could see how you could argue that it kind of undermines things a little bit, but I also think it kind of, like, develops things a little bit because, you know, we have this idea of, like, developing a fear of strangers and children. So what right. happens if your child's toy is literally <laughs> the worst person, like, <laughs> he's the the person is the poster child for, like, Stranger Danger, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and you know, the the original intent with the movie, like, in the first draft, it wasn't supposed to be, like, a serial killer in the body of the doll. It was, uh, the doll was a manifestation of Andy's rage. Mm. Uh, because the original name for the movie was supposed to be, like, Blood Buddy, and that was the whole idea, is that, like, this kid's, like, rage gets manifested within this doll. They, like, um like blood gets into the doll and then you know the doll becomes a station of this child's rage um which they kind of they kind of revisit that a little bit in this uh episode of the show so um yeah i I think we can kind of talk about uh the episode yeah Um, sure let me go ahead and just give a couple things off the top this episode is season one episode seven twice the grieving double the loss um you know we have the uh recent murders on the show, which has r- eliminated two major motherly figures in detective Evans and Brie Wheeler. Um, we still, we, we get more of a sense of what Chucky's after in this episode, but we don't have all of the clues. Um, then we also have, uh, Tiffany coming in and kind of stirring up shit. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, <laughs> we've got Andy. Andy makes a potentially very, very dumb decision. And then, uh, you know, the kids are kind of reassessing their relationships and, like, what are they going to do about this whole Chucky situation? So there's, like, a lot going on in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. And then uh, I do want to mention uh, this is Samir Rahem's second episode he's directed so far, I believe, um, which I think he did a great job. because He did the previous one as well, um, two very, very strong episodes. And then uh, specifically, I want to mention the writers who are... I have it somewhere here in my notes, and I can't find them in my notes. That's always great. <laughs> uh, oh, yes, Mallory Westfall and Isabella Gutierrez. um and yeah, I think um, as far as like the writing of this episode goes, like episodes six and seven are like a great one two punch of uh storytelling, especially because they kind of work as that the the climax of the um the season. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, specifically like you know, uh, I I had mentioned in the last episode when I was talking with Phil Gibson, you know, that this is like if this were an eight-hour Chucky movie, we're in like the last act, and like this is definitely kind of continuing that whole uh, that, that that whole structure because this is where everything's like falling apart and like you know, um, just just so good though. Like I I yeah. really appreciate like this one-two punch of content here.
1: Yeah, you you definitely there's definitely a lot going on even just like specifically in this episode because it it's like you're finally getting reveals for things maybe questions that you've had for a while and it and they're good reveals and even mm-hmm. those reveals have some twists, you know, so it's pretty pretty yeah. interesting and weird. So um,
0: yeah, well, oh, uh, oh, please continue.
1: <laughs> oh no, I was just going to say like I, I, with I mean maybe we don't want to talk about this part yet, but like I I was thinking this whole time, like, man, it's weird that Chucky's so obsessed with getting kids to kill their parents.
0: Mm-hmm. Why?
1: Why are they spending so much time on this? And then, like, I get answers for that by the end of this episode.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> which so I what, thought what that they were answers? just writing it weird. So, so what are those <laughs> answers? Let's let's talk about that. Okay.
1: Okay. So, well, I, I from basically from the beginning of of this, I've been thinking like. I, I, I was like, are they just changing what Chucky's all about? Are they trying? Is it? Are they playing because there's so many kids in this? Are they playing with like, uh, the corruption of innocence?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, are they just really leaning hard into that theme? But I'm like, also the other thing is like every every iteration of Chucky I've ever seen. He has fairly specific goals. He's a, I mean, he's a lunatic. He gets distracted mm-hmm. by killing people. All the time. You know, yeah. it's like he wants to, he wants to get his soul into Andy, but he's also, oh, I'll just kill this person while I'm at it. You know, but yeah, um, I'll kill
0: the baby, sir. <laughs>
1: yeah, but uh, but he does have specific goals, and like up until this, I, I would say this episode, we really didn't understand what he was doing, right? Other than causing stirring up trouble in his hometown. Um, but, but yeah, so, uh, so he kept, he's, he's tried what with, um, what's her name? Carolyn? Yeah. Carolyn. he tried yep. with Car- Carolyn and he tried with, uh, Jake and, and he's now working on Junior in this episode to try, you know, trying to get these kids to kill their parents. And, well, and um, he
0: succeeds with Junior.
1: And he succeeds with Junior who, who savagely beats his father to yeah. death
0: with the Chucky doll. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just glad to see them kind of. Because Junior's always been on a little bit of a periphery of the show. Mm -hmm. Because he's not like part of the core group. So he's been like isolated from stuff, you know. And then you have the stuff with his mom dying and everything like that. It was just, it was so fun to kind of, because Teo, Teo Briones, who plays uh, Junior, is really, really good. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad they gave him like finally, like, it's that kind of like, you know, get in the game thing that Chucky keeps saying. Um, right. right. Um you know, it, it's nice to have him like get in there and that that scene um where he murders Logan with the doll is amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh, especially like Chucky just like enjoying the hell out of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um uh, uh, but uh, uh, you know regarding that okay so obviously um it's definitely a reference to uh Seed of Chucky where Jennifer Tilly is beating the 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 housekeeper or the um the the nanny for the for glenn glenda um, mm-hmm. cuz she, she's beating her down with a tiffany doll so there's a reference right. there but i i was watching you know the one of the like behind the scenes features and i've never seen the movie before i heard of it but that's but i'd never seen it so this is why i didn't make that connection but um the movie magic from 1978 with uh, anthony hopkins and burgess meredith Hmm. Uh, that scene is a direct reference to it because uh, at one point, um, Anthony Hopkins beats Burgess Meredith to death with a ventriloquist dummy. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, I, yeah. And I, it's (laughs) one of those where it's like, I can't believe I've never seen this movie because like, I, I'm good at catching a lot of references, but like, you know, I've not seen every movie on earth. Um, but that's one of the (laughs) things that. It's one of the things I appreciate about the show is just, like, how Don Mancini's just like, okay, I'm going to whip out this Brian De-, De Palma reference, or, you know, here's a, here's a reference to an Anthony Hopkins movie where he beats a dude with a dummy. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, well, they do like their references. I mean... Oh, oh yeah. Glenn or uh, Glinda is yeah, like a then, whole reference in a
0: character. Yeah, and then, of course, like, we get that big Frankenstein reference, which uh, Frankenstein's been a thing in the series since uh, yes. Bride of Chucky.
1: yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, with him getting stitched back together, I noticed that too. That they had the they had the Frankenstein that's mm-hmm.
0: going to be the town event. Well, and then you know, with um in Bride of Chucky, I mean, obviously direct reference to Bride of Frankenstein, but then you have the scene with uh, Tiffany in the bath watching uh, Bride of Frankenstein, and then Chucky like shoves the TV in there and everything like that. You know, right, right. Um, I, I do appreciate like the film literacy of Don Mancini. You could tell there's a guy who just like knows his shit. Uh huh, and they also know all
1: of the one other movies that Jennifer Tilly's been in because they brought out that
0: reference once <laughs> oh, again. God, I, I had to pause it. I was laughing at that part. Um, <laughs> so, um, so to, to set the scene, you know, they're at the uh, the. It's not the funeral; it's the wake. Um, mm-hmm. But they're at the wake for uh, Bree and. Um, <laughs> oh no, no! It was it was. Um, after the after the wake, because right. she comes back later with the Swedish meatballs, which uh, I, I love the <laughs> whole Swedish meatballs thing. But no, you know Jennifer Jennifer Tilly, aka Tiffany, and Jennifer Tilly's body comes up wearing the cute like dress and the the thing, and she brings a little plate of Swedish meatballs to Junior, and then you know she's uh, you know Junior's like, hey, I recognize you. And he's like, oh, aren't you a little young to have seen Bound? <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is a great movie, by the way. I love that. One. <laughs> it's uh well they
1: mentioned they mentioned it that's what maybe the fourth third or fourth time they've mentioned that movie in
0: well you know that's like her course of the series that's like her biggest movie um (laughs) outside like monsters incorporated (laughs) Uh, speaking of references
1: maybe this is a little bit of a sidetrack but um i did want to i wanted to note something um because you know how they have the different logo every episode Uh uh-huh yeah and um, this time, the a lot of, you know, the logo is usually related to something that you see in the opening, the cold mm-hmm. open or whatever. Um, yeah. But this time, it, I guess because they were at the funeral, it's tombstones. Mm-hmm. And the tombstones all have names. Well, not all of them. There are names on the tombstones. And I wrote down a bunch of the ones I had. And one of them was a pretty deep cut.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I thought it was a Howard Fitzwater. Which is the original name. It's, it's the name of Damien, the, uh, the guy that dies in Bride of Chucky.
0: That's right.
1: I, I guess there's like a news report that says uh, who, that he's missing or dead or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and his name was Howard Fitzwater. Which just like, it's such a weird deep cut, but they put it on one of the little tombstones in the logo. They also had... Um, Red
0: Man. Red, Red Man and Eddie Caputo. Uh, Sarah Pierce, Grace Poole, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, like I, I really appreciate that, like, and again, like I talk about this week after week, but like the attention to detail that they put into the show, like that, mm-hmm. um, like because I, I love the the changing title card every week. That's one of my favorite. Like, I, I love when shows do little things like that. So just yeah. having all those like names on the tombstones, uh, fantastic.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was really cute. And yeah, the uh, the Swedish meatballs, which is like a throwaway line in <laughs> Brightest Chucky. It's like a joke because you're like, how is she cooking? Because they're in that RV that they stole. Mm-hmm. And
0: she's just cooking in the back of it. She's like, I made Swedish meatballs, your favorite. <laughs> well, and, you know, it's one of those things that becomes a running gag, like her always mentioning <laughs> her mother, you know. yeah. And, um, it just – oh, and yeah, I did want to bring up one more thing with the whole Jennifer Tilly and Tio scene um, where, where she, like, touches his face, but it's, like, the most awkward <laughs> forced thing ever. It's, like, the funniest thing because, you know, sometimes when I'm watching – something with my wife, you know, um, just to mess with her, I'll just kind of like reach my hand over to her face and just kind of like rub my hand down her face and like the most awkward <laughs> way possible. Yeah. <laughs> like I have affection for you, but, um, you know, uh, it just, it's, it's a uh, wonderful, yeah. ridiculous like moment. And it's like, like, because the the implication is that like she's just trying to to fuck with this whole thing. She doesn't like really have a plan to it. Well, that's that's kind of what I've been wondering about her. Because and I feel like you're maybe
1: you probably know more about it because you're there's the one movie that you're like way more familiar with, which is Cult of Chucky, mm. which is a hard watch for me. So and see, I, I, I
0: love that's in my top three. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um. But
1: what I was going to say is, uh, like, I'm a little unclear as to the alliance between uh, Tiff and Chucky right now. Like, like how strong it is, because they kind of go back and forth. Sometimes she's working against him. Sometimes she's working with him. I know it, at the end of Curse of Chucky, she's mailing him to people mm-hmm. um, or or <laughs> our well, versions I mean, of him.
0: They're playing out the relationship as we saw it in Bride of Chucky, because, like, number one, like. Their relationship has never been good. Like right. they've always been kind of going back and forth. They have their moments, but um, you know, like the the movie starts with her taking the Chucky doll and imprisoning it in a, a makeshift prison. You know what I mean? Um, right. You know, and they go kind of back and forth. The whole scene with the RV, where like you know, it's like um, Chucky's like, hey, you know, those dishes are piling up. Right. Um, you know, so like their their relationship definitely goes back and forth. Like you could tell they like, they care for each other in the weird fucked up serial killer way. Because um, we see that in the flashbacks too, but also like, Chucky is easily distracted by things. Tiffany's like a romantic in a very odd way. Right,
1: right. But but now, see, it seems like we're seeing her actively aiding him. Because I mean, like she's she's the turning point that makes Junior that puts Junior over the edge mm-hmm. to to uh, kill Logan. Right, yeah. like that, like it be her presence showing up and delivering meatballs, dropping weird little obvious, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. like oh, you know, we don't know each other very well yet, it, you yeah. know, like stuff like that, and you're like, oh, well, she's, it seems like she's a really big part of this plan,
0: yeah, but also you get the sense that like she's just kind of doing what she does, but <laughs> it, it it makes you wonder, you know, yeah, how in touch with the the chucky that's running around with jake and company how in touch she is and like specifically like how do the multiple dolls like function do they have some sort of hive mind or not i don't think they do but like it it could just be just once again just like really messed up circumstances that are just working in the favor of chucky in this case right so you know I, i i i do appreciate that there's like that you know, tension that's always there between them. And, you know, with, uh, Tiffany being the romantic and like telling Nika, like, Oh, I see your eyes behind. Uh, I, I see your eyes when we're together and that sort of thing. It's like, you know, like Tiffany's not all there. <laughs>
1: that's true. But, but, uh, but she has another part to play. I'm assuming because, yeah. um, because the mayor, uh, mayor cross, uh, announces the movie, the Frankenstein movie matinee for charity. Right, Mm -hmm. and that there's going to be a celebrity guest, and I'm like dollars to donuts, this is going to be Jennifer
0: Tilly. Oh yeah, it's totally going to be Jennifer Tilly. And I, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and theorize now that the uh, season's going to end with those Chucky dolls just murdering people in the movie theater.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think that's gonna be. I think uh, think that's gonna be a great
0: place to end it. Just like a you know (laughs) five minute series of carnage of like Chucky's like locking people in a theater, maybe Mm -hmm. even like burning it down or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I, think that would be like a great way to end the season because then it's like, Oh shit, what happens in season two? Maybe even a reference to, uh, the Gremlins movie demons oh or Gremlins. Yeah. yeah. Oh, de- demons. Yes. Yes. Demons. Uh, oh, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but like, um, yeah, she's definitely going to be the celebrity guest. You know, they, they've made several references to her being Jennifer Tilly in the show, mm-hmm. you know, especially with the real term, like, do you want an autograph? Right. right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we're going to get that. Um, Jennifer Tilly is obviously the guest for the show, but I, I, I think that's great. I just love the fact that it's like Tiffany loves Jennifer Tilly and it's like, I want to be Jennifer Tilly. And she, now she is. Mm-hmm. This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and presumably she's
1: she's doing pretty well. She's no longer fighting Julia Roberts for roles. So.
0: <laughs> I wonder if she got the role of the Virgin Mary. <laughs> um but no like um like there's there's so much going on in this episode so let, let, let's talk about the kids um yes yeah. specifically like the way that they're their relationship like they're obviously feeling like super defeated at the end of like episode six like this is like the worst this is them at their lowest right now i think right Um, you know, and then like, like, um, how how have you been on the Jake and Devin relationship? Cause I've, I've loved it. I've, I've loved seeing them get together. I still have like issues with it. Like for specifically, um, you know, Devin recorded Jake without his consent. And I find that very problematic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no, like Jake and Devin are like so cute together. So it, it made me sad to see that like, Oh no, they're, they're splitting up just a little bit.
1: Yeah, well, I, I like their relationship and I would say I'm fairly invested in it, though it's I, I, I get a, I was a little off put by the fact that we spend so much time talking about it considering Devin just lost his mom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of weird that he's like he seems so focused on on this, on because like, it seems like first of all, he's pushing he's pushing uh Jake away. Mm-hmm presumably to keep him safe so he can go do detective stuff
0: well you know i I, I think i think that's like a a switch in the episode because i think at first like he's still grappling with the loss of his mother who i think her her first name is christine i think it's christine evans Um, okay but like you know you know he's he's obviously like hurt and everything like that this is probably like a couple of days later you know so he's not like still actively like crying but like he he's definitely hurt by this and that's what causes him to kind of like push jake away but it's not until he kind of like is going through his stuff that he he decides he's going to go ahead and check out the the charles lee ray residence right
1: right well i i guess i only i only assumed that maybe that was part of it beforehand just because we still we're like constantly reinforcing the fact that he loves old detective noir movies yeah and you know and he's got his podcast about like solving mysteries and stuff or you know the interesting history of, mm-hmm. the, of his, the place that he lives in so it's uh i don't know i just i was a little bit feeling like maybe there's some thread there but yeah i know what you mean it does it is kind of set up like like he's just actually pushing him away and then he has a turn and makes a decision to yeah go he, he, he kind of puts something Williams. together
0: and he's like I, i'm gonna i'm gonna check this out but you know i i, I think like because his, because of his interest in, like, true crime and everything like that, like, I totally see that, like, that's probably always kind of in the back of his mind to a degree, like, maybe right. even subconsciously. But no, I, I think they did a pretty good job of establishing that, like, this is a kid in grief, you know, and then sometimes when in grief, we push people away instead of bringing them to us. For sure. Um, you know, so that whole thing with uh, Jake, you know, it might even be a little bit of subconscious anger at Jake, too, um, mm. you know, because, again, like, none of this would have happened if... Jake hadn't picked up that doll.
1: Right? Right? And then he sees and he sees Junior being a, being really angry at Jake and he's like, "Okay, well, I'm not going to have that reaction, but mm-hmm. still got some mixed feelings here." I could see that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, um the the other thing is like um the, the show is kind of evoking that image of the like kids running away, especially, you know, you know, uh, queer kids running away because that's mm-hmm. unfortunately a reality for a lot of kids is um you know, like uh, I, I teach uh, English, and we did a unit on like drag, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about uh, I, I had them watch like Paris is Burning, and the you know one of the one of the performers, I think it was Venus, uh, she talks about how she um, ran away from home at like fourteen, um, and it's just for for a lot of queer kids, you know, um, you know, thankfully for in the case of Jake and Devin, it wasn't because they aren't running away because they. Um, are being rejected for being queer. It's more that, like, they're running away because they have this killer doll situation. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> right. but, but it still evokes that, um, like, yeah. trauma that a lot of queer kids go through, which I thought was very interesting. It's like the same melody, just in a different key.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely Jake, like, while he, uh, I would say he handles it differently from Andy Barkley. Like, he, mm-hmm. he's facing a lot of the same stuff where it's like, it's like people don't really want to accept what you're saying you know what what you say you're going through nobody really understands it or can sympathize with it you just kind of have to deal with the shit on your own
0: well and then that's the thing the difference the main the major difference between jake and andy is that like jake has more agency because he's older right you know, andy andy is like if you compare the situations between the two characters I feel like Andy still had the situation a little worse because like, what agency does he have? He's a child. He can't do anything like society won't let him do anything. Whereas Jake, you know, Jake is at least old enough to go running off on his own if he has to. Right. So it's, it's a different scenario. So I do appreciate that. There's kind of a mirror between them, but also like um, Jake is a little more equipped. And I think we see that with adult Andy as well, because, you know, I get the sense that Andy completely has been stunted like emotionally by (laughs) everything he's gone through so you know like Jake at least is going to be able to form some semblance of life after Chucky uh provided he survives Andy never will
1: yeah that's that's been off the table for a while for Andy
0: (laughs) yeah like because they you know the little bits we've gotten with adult Andy have been a lot of fun and like this is the most time we've spent with him now since um cult of Chucky, you know, cause he had his scenes in cult of Chucky, but like now we're spending a lot of time with Andy and you know, it's great that they brought back, um, uh, Kyle. Um, and, and again, it's also like that idea of the development cause Kyle was able to form some sort of life because she was older when she dealt with Chucky. Right. We see that she's married and everything like that. But like, again, Andy, just because of him being that little kid, he was never able to kind of grow up and over this thing.
1: Yeah, and you also get the sense that Kyle's only really in this for Andy. Like yeah. in in the show, right? Like she's <laughs> she's following him around on a cross-country trip to eliminate all the Chucky dolls and she knows it needs to be done, but yeah. if there's not they don't spend a lot of time together. We don't get a lot of screen time with the two of them, so but maybe maybe do. I'm just reading into it, but I kind of just have this feeling like she's there for him, not necessarily yeah. for the mission. Well,
0: and I think I think we do get a good uh uh like sign of like what their relationship is like the fact that like uh after the end of cult of chucky like he calls andy calls her in to take care of like the the severed chucky head that she did not know about and she makes a very good uh point of like you know you're you're keeping the head of chucky in your you you kept it in a safe in your house it's like well you know i learned it in the military school <laughs> which i i appreciate how unhinged andy is um <laughs> really um so so um his acting isn't the best i'll i'll be honest there um his acting's a little flat but i also wonder if it's maybe that's kind of playing into like the the andy character a little bit as being um stunted you know what i mean just a little off yeah. yeah maybe
1: maybe yeah i i I was getting that vibe too though that it's more just like kind of a weak performance but they've you know i appreciate that they're sticking with this actor and not
0: yeah just you replacing know him and i i still love, love the again. character so much and just makes me happy to see right. it back you know um i'm still I'm, I'm
1: mad that he left kyle at the gas station though
0: yeah no that's <laughs> and, like that's the that's the dumbest thing andy's ever done at this point um because you know i, I talk about like, been Child traveling
1: together how long how long have they been traveling together and yeah and just strands are in another state. <laughs> and now yeah. it's just like this one as far as he knows he's just going to take care of one more doll and
0: he's like uh bye <laughs> yeah um you know and he's not the best at these situations because you had that scene in the sixth episode where they're doing the whole, like, scheme of, like, oh, we're census takers, and he just cannot commit to the act. (laughs) He's he's twitchy and just kind of, like, staring around looking for the dolls, like, do you have any dolls? Have there been any fires? (laughs) 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 Um, But no, I I just, I absolutely love that, and, like, it just makes me so happy to see Andy back as a character, and I I hope, I I hope he doesn't get killed off um, right away. Like, eventually, like, Chucky killing Andy seems like it's going to be the direction they're going to go. I just hope it doesn't happen yet. Mm-mm. Like, cause ultimately like Andy, Andy's a tragic character. And I think he needs to, for his character to have kind of like, I, I think Andy does need to die as a character because that's kind of the tragedy of the character. It, it may have taken Chucky like 30 years, but you know, so I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm happy where we're going with that, but I also kind of like a little worried for the character
1: yeah i don't know i guess it depends on how much they want to like if if they wanted to just say look this is the end of this we're never touching it again Mm -hmm. then i could see him killing andy but but if not i mean the fact that he never successfully like possessed andy or killed him or anything Mm -hmm. like that that's almost a defining like
0: trait of who chucky is at this point. yeah the completion like, anxiety that nika brings <laughs> up in uh, <laughs> yeah. curse yeah um you know because i if it all comes down to like chucky and andy having kind of like a final moment like i think that would be uh that would provide some great catharsis for everybody just because that storyline's been going on for like 30 years now whether you know we only saw it across like maybe five movies um, you know, it just, it's been in the background the entire time. Right. Um, so we, we talked about like the relationship. Um, I just, I keep thinking about that, that death of Logan and just like the, the <laughs> Chucky just kind of like smiling as he's being used to bludgeon that man to death. And it just, Ooh. that, that whole scene is great. Especially like at the aftermath where, where Teo is, um, or I'm sorry, Junior is, Sitting against the wall, singing the song, and then Chucky starts singing with him. Mm, yeah, it, it's just so, so bizarre, so campy, and just again so perfect. Like I love the tone of the show. I was I uh, I found myself thinking back though, I, like
1: because I thought like Junior's turn to um to being so quick to just accept this talking doll telling him to kill his dad. Mm -hmm. i was like i was like yeah he's it's been a build-up but at the same time i'm like i was trying to remember oh i was i'm thinking back through the previous six episodes and i'm like wasn't there a moment at some point when jake said i'm pretty sure this doll is responsible for these murders did he not did he not ever say that to jr because i don't i don't think he ever said
0: that to Junior. well because i know that during uh the the town meeting part that lexi tells jr this she she like said you know because Junior like comes up to them in the theater because it's uh Jake Devin and Lexi sitting there um you know right. he comes up like being a shit like you know uh hey move um but no like he um she tells him like hey no it's a doll doing this and then you know you also get that scene uh, like after the psychologist leaves and Jake comes up to Junior and says like I don't think your mom killed herself which is not the right thing to say at the time <laughs> because uh you know Jake. Made a ma- big mistake there, but yeah, no, uh, um, like it, he's he's been told that like Chucky's been doing stuff, but also you get the sense that there's like been long simmering resentment on Junior's end for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, well, he de- I mean Junior definitely has resentment for his dad too because his like there's they they kept kind of showing you that he um, was like overbearing. He was like demanding that his kid be successful and and um you know it's like like i think that was kind of the idea like where a lot of that anger and resentment came from and then also seeing his dad become an alcoholic mm-hmm. or is that drinking really heavily being an alcoholic and then uh and kind of blaming his dad for his mom yeah his mom so- suicide i get it but I'm just like I'm thinking like oh you, there's these mysterious deaths going on. People tell you that this doll's
0: not good, and then it starts talking to you and telling you to kill your family. But but also like, the okay. but also the way that Junior kind of cradled that knife, um, you, you get the sense that there's like a darkness in there. So like yeah. his turn, like and it's it you know the show has a lot of balls to juggle. And like, not all of them are going to get like the appropriate amount of development, but I think what we have with Junior is enough to where, again, it's like I can buy into the logic of the universe. Like, yeah. I know that there's enough there that, like, okay, yeah, he's going to kill his dad, and I can, <laughs> I, I can get behind that because you know,
1: <laughs> I I had a lot of appreciation for the scene.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I will say, like the. Um, there is you know. There's like this thing that Chucky likes to do with people, which is like gaslight them a little bit, like uh-huh. make them not yeah. really understand what's real. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> knowing he's drunk, and mm-hmm. uh, and starting to talk to him, but like in a way where it's where he's still convinced that Junior's kind of doing it. He's like, "How are you doing mm-hmm. that?" Yeah. You know, it's like they let that scene go on for a long time because, like, even though they already know they're gonna kill him, they're just kind of screwing with him. Yeah, and, it's and such a good him scene. Doubt reality.
0: Yeah, and then uh, you know, credit all all credit to uh, Devin Sawa there because like he, uh, like he he puts uh, in the the three episodes that uh, the three latest episodes, including this one, like he he really like puts uh, Logan through the ringer, um, you know, and just you know going yeah. from like the the stern <laughs> dad to the uh, the the tiger dad to like the drunk uh, asshole, the the depressed yeah. guy, like he he does a great job, and I'm I'm sad to see uh, see Devin Sawa go. Um, you know, I think he, I think he was a great, like, uh, choice to play the dad and then to play, uh, the other dad, you know, um, I, I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss him. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like Logan. Um, you know, like not, not personally, he's kind of an asshole, but like, that's my <laughs> thing. I, I like, I like the characters who stir up trouble and who cause trouble for everybody else. Um, you know, cause that's where yeah. all my entertainment comes from in these shows.
1: Yeah. Well, I also I also like that there's a little bit of depth to um some of the, even the even the characters we don't get a lot of screen time with like even you know, like uh, Jake's dad um mm-hmm. not Logan Lucas, is it Lucas? Yeah. Um like where it's like he's kind of back and forth like he's he's like, "Oh, this the sculpture's really cool," you know, where he's not just like straight up one-dimensional like, oh, "I hate my queer kid," you know, mm-hmm. like he's uh he's got a little bit of dimension to him even though he's yeah. really kind of a jackass. Yeah, you know, and uh, and Logan's kind of the same way where it's like he does he sticks up for Jake more than once, you know, and, and even though he's an overbearing dad and he's not a great guy and he's an alcoholic and all this stuff, you know, there's there's a few layers there to kind of make a more interesting characters. And I really like that.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we don't get any like continuation. Uh, speaking of characters who are like you don't get a ton with we don't get a lot more on uh, Miss Fairchild in this episode. Um, you know, the, the biology teacher. So I'm curious where that's going. Uh, is it just like, they're going to pin something on her or are we going to get a reveal? Because I, they keep hinting, they keep dancing around the idea that like her identity may be tied to this whole Chucky situation. Right. So, you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, There's, there's so much going on. Like we could talk about any number of things, (laughs) but like, I I just want to see if there's anything in in particular you want to hit because, uh. Yeah, um, I, I, I like to hear your thoughts on these things.
1: Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Let me look through my notes because I'm trying <laughs> to think what else I was like specifically interested in. Um, I, there is something I want to talk about just like maybe at the end of stuff. Just uh, it's just a visual effects thing that I thought. Was oh, wrong.
0: no. Let's talk about the visual effects because I've, I've been on record like several times. And I think like I'm just so happy that they made the show now because of what they can do with the animatronics okay. and the visual effects like i like th- this is i feel like this is movie quality. I don't yes. know, maybe i maybe i'm crazy but no, i feel like it's absolutely movie quality.
1: No, it absolutely is, but there's um there's this delightful thing they've been doing with this show that i feel like most other things if we were if we were doing a modern show of any horror franchise, right? It's mm-hmm. like every, everything would even if it was great cg, everything would be cg just cuz it's easier. It's, mm-hmm. And overall, it's cheaper nowadays because you got to spend a lot of time on set with those puppets mm-hmm. when you're doing these practical effects. But um, there was the overall I've really been impressed by the visual effects. But what I, what I was going to say is delightful is that um, they're still doing the shots where they put a little person in a costume.
0: Yes. So yes. Just
1: doing them way better. But there, I think that there's an intentional Decision because that's part of the style, the known style, and it's one of the things people actually like. Mm-hmm. Right? It's wanna... like it's fun when you see it, you know, because yeah. it's like it's still creepy, but it's like you know what you know what you're seeing, you know it's not really necessarily the doll, but they still use those shots, and I love that. Like I love that they're actually
0: uh setting those up. Well, it's in also, a way that feels good. It's also when they use them because whenever <laughs> they use them, Chucky's not really in focus he's moving around in the background. You get that hyper real motion of like the fluidity of like an actual person instead of like, because no matter how smooth the animatronics are, you can still tell it's like the motion of an animatronic. Right. But like when you have um, like the scene, uh, you know, uh, in one of the episodes where Junior's looking around and then the background, you see like the Chucky doll, like run up the stairs and it's right. clearly a kid in a, a Chucky costume. <laughs> right. It, it's, it's so effectively creepy because like, the, the smoothness of the motion is just so unnatural.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I,
0: I'm with you on that.
1: So there's this shot um, with Junior. Uh, mm-hmm. It's at, I, I noted it down. It's at 17 minutes and 17 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, Junior and his it, it's so the shot what the shot is, is it, it goes into Junior's bedroom and you see. Uh, Chucky getting down. he was looking out the window and he's getting down from junior's desk mm-hmm. and um and as he's getting down, the camera's moving, and it's fluid the whole time, and the camera's pushing into the room, and then it turns uh, to the left. Yeah, like it kind of i I would say I should say pan, but it's really not what it does. you know, yeah. it's like a nodal pan sort of, but it's it's a free floating camera. It turns to the left, and junior's uh, on the floor at the foot of his bed with his knees up. And he's just kind of like, you know, like thinking his dark thoughts, right? Yeah. But um, the, the technical prowess that went into creating the shot mm-hmm. is mind-boggling from someone who like does this for a living. It's so weird because they, um, when you do those shots with a little person, you have to really play with forced perspective or, or a, a kid or whoever's in the suit, right? Yeah. When it's a person, you have to play with forced perspective because realistically, a, a most Children, you would put there, or any little person you put in there, they're still going to be way bigger than Chucky actually should be. And um, so this shot is seamless, but it's just—it's so cool because they even the actor in the Chucky outfit is kind of moving herky-jerky on purpose, Mm -hmm. right? So it still kind of looks like how a doll might ambulate. And um, and and they they use forced perspective, so this is actually entirely a composite shot where the stuff with the the Chucky crawling down from the desk would have been shot completely separately and then composited into this room in a way that makes the room feel way shallower than it, than, than both shots combined. And, um, it's just so seamless and it's so good. And then they even have the, the carpet in junior's room has these long stripes pushed into the perspective distance. So like they help sell the, the weird, surreal, overly long nature of the room and it's like, it, I don't know, it's, it's, I know it's difficult to like, if I can't show it to really explain what I'm talking about, but that shot is just like, mm, chef's kiss. I love, oh, no, I,
0: was, I, I know what you mean. I've seen cute. the Lord of the Rings special <laughs> features. I know how they shot the hobbits. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's, no. Like they like, so easily could have just not spent any of that time. And I think yeah. probably most people wouldn't really bat an eye because it's, it's fine. You know, you're not there for the visual effects, but it's. They put a lot of work into that and I was just like, Man,
0: this well, is a mean, nice shot. You also kinda are there for the visual effects because it's the whole thing like it's a it's a killer doll. You wanna see the doll <laughs> move. You wanna see yeah. that stuff happen. And the, like the fact that they do so much with the doll. But you know, that that scene where you're talking about him getting down from the um the the desk or the window or whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. it just reminds me of um Child's Play One where um you know, Chucky climbs down from the counter in John's house. And I thought that that was originally just a scene, uh, like that was a um, a person in a suit or something like that in forced perspective, but they actually made the animatronic there do that motion. And it's just a bizarre, very hyper real motion for an animatronic. And it's, it's such a specialized piece of machinery too, yeah. to make that very smooth motion of like getting down and like hanging your legs over the counter. Yeah. You know, and then you know they wouldn't um I was watching the special features on the, this episode, and they talked about when they were shooting the um the the death of Logan how many different chucky puppets they had to work with because you had like the Scally one, you had the happy one, you'd had the one <laughs> that would like flail its arms um you know just all the work that goes into all these puppets is just amazing to me and how well they utilize them, yeah. Like, I, I never I never feel like at the end of the episode, like, man, I wish they would have done more Chucky. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. You get just the right amount of it um, and like doing very complex shit, like the whole scene in uh, the, the sixth episode where he he pushes the cart. It's a combination of the different techniques the series is known for, uh, but it works so seamlessly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's it's all been um, it, I mean, it's, it's obvious that the show has a pretty decent budget. Mm-hmm. but it also they just really know how to do a lot yeah I mean, it's been seven movies you know what i mean <laughs> yeah uh, they uh they're they're really able to it's like you give them more money it's gonna look better they're not just gonna blow eight million dollars on a bad cg effect that they slap on top of some wonky practicals like it's they really managed to get it good every time yeah it's, it's really been impressive
0: well, and I, I'm glad you mentioned like the, the visual effects because that's part of the reason I brought you on here was because, you know, you have experienced in that industry and I just want to make sure that I'm I'm right in saying like they're doing a great job with this.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, a lot of times where you see stuff like this suffer is uh, bad comps, which I, I do comp work, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, you know, where, where you have stuff, uh, you have your CG elements or you have your separate elements that you're then bringing into the shot. And then um, especially with, tv stuff you get you get pressed for time and you don't get that time to really sit there and spend the extra time making sure the colors match and stuff Mm -hmm. your black levels are appropriate and all that stuff and it all sounds like i mean you would think a computer could just like do that but you're really going by hand and like making it look nice and doing version after version and uh, yeah and um it's it's really been consistent like i don't I'm sure there's been some comps that are a little wonky, especially people yeah. driving. You always see it, you know, outside the car windows and stuff. You're like, this looks, they're not moving the right direction. You know, th- this yeah. stuff always happens. I'm sure there there are some shots if we sat long enough and look for mistakes. But, I mean, it has been really consistently good.
0: Yeah, I, I would and, love to just see, like, production notes about, like, you know, what the schedule is for all this stuff. Like, Like, take one shot and just give us all the detail and, like, how that shot is put together, how long it took, how much mm-hmm. planning went into it. How much time it took to fucking render the the screen yeah <laughs> for any yeah. cgi you know I, I would love to see stuff like that and i um i appreciate that they're kind of giving us that kind of like behind the scenes look but you know it just makes me want more
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it really it really would be cool to see more uh, featurettes on that stuff I, I
0: don't i don't feel
1: like it's it's kind of less common to do featurettes on um, on specifically visual effects stuff like practical effects they'll do it all day long they'll talk about the puppets mm-hmm. they'll talk about you know all the animatronics and everything, but um, with visual effects, studios are weird, and they don't want to reveal their see they, they don't want to tell you they made some poor artist spend, you know work a 90 hour work week trying to make this one model flex in the right place you know so kinda... have you
0: have you had a 90 hour work week Oh yeah yeah, I definitely yeah. have I, yeah, I imagine. I don't, I
1: don't hit it too much anymore. Ever since most of VFX moved to Canada, they're a yeah. little more strict about how much you can
0: overwork
1: <laughs> your employees.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: But, um, but, uh, yeah, I've definitely had, had, I think I had a 93 hour work week,
0: uh, more than once in, uh, mm-hmm. when I was in LA. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um, so, uh, was there anything else that you wanted to, uh, bring up before we start kind of wrapping up here? Um, let's see. I have got
1: little notes. I uh, just little stuff. I appreciate that Kyle still smokes. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they made a whole just a little cigarette gag just to remind
0: you that she's a smoker. Oh, and then Andy just like you know it, uh, says those it, things will kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it's it's very funny. You know, it's like you know they're going off to kill a killer serial killer doll, but it's like you know those cigarettes are going to kill you, right? <laughs> Which you know, um, Chucky hasn't killed anybody with a cigarette yet. So Um. (laughs) it'd be great if like there's a scene where like there's oil somewhere and then he just like lights up, takes a drag and then like throws a cigarette. (laughs) It's like the most cliche thing possible. But like, I'd love to see that doll do that because then they could build a doll that does the whole smoking action.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Going back to the kind of unsure relationship between Chucky and Tiffany, Mm -hmm. even though it seems like she's a part of his plan, it seems like that to me anyway. Uh, they made a point to show us a scene where they moved into the house and were like are they were fighting over the fact that Charles killed somebody without her. Yeah, you, you was, always like, get
0: that tension with them.
1: Yeah, um, like they but they like it was like a specific scene like they, that was the whole scene, that's pretty much all that happens but they they wanted us to see that. So
0: Yeah. And then of course Fiona Dorif week to week being just absolutely fantastic. She is like <laughs> so good in the show. Yeah. Like yeah, cuz
2: really
0: uh, you know I I I've, I've uh like like, okay, I'll totally admit, like I have a thing for Fiona Dorif. um like ever ever since like I saw her in uh, Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency where she's just playing this crazy person, um, like I, I don't know, there's just something about Fiona, she's just she's so goddamn good <laughs> <She> <laughs> you is know good. So, yeah, yeah,, uh, you know, and then her getting to play like Chucky pretending to be Nico, which is like, wow. Like and the great thing is you can tell you, you watch the performance and you can tell, okay, it's Chucky pretending to be Nika, but it's just like, you have to kind of pay attention to it, but it's, it's like that good.
1: Yeah. She, she is, she's definitely great in every scene that she's been in, in this, but it's really been pretty sparing how much they're using her. So.
0: Well, and I I kind of appreciate that because we're getting like the, the older cast, but they're not overdoing it. They're not taking over the show. They're just kind of enhancing it in in a fun little way.
1: Um I'm not sure what the significance of the scene was, but I liked the little scene with Lexi and Caroline pulling the heads off of all of Caroline's dolls.
0: Oh, uh, like them bonding, left. yeah. yeah. <laughs> you would expect you would have expected Caroline, based on like previous behavior, to like freak out when the doll head pops off. But <laughs> but the, does that also mean that there's like maybe a darkness to Caroline as well? Because these are like human figures being dismembered.
1: I don't know. I think it might have just been. I think maybe it was just saying Caroline is over the whole Chucky thing, and she's she's
0: kind of no longer in danger of being influenced by it. No, no, sir, you don't understand. I have <laughs> a degree in literature. I have to overanalyze everything. Okay, it's not just that the curtains are blue. The curtains reflect the state of the author at the time he wrote the scene. So, <laughs> right. Gotcha. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, on. no, no. It's cool. It's cool. One step um, on your literary analysis. <laughs> no, no. It's just it, it. But what I like is that we can maybe even like look at that as yeah, maybe she is. Uh, uh showing the darkness maybe uh uh, lexi's not recognizing that or something like that because they've because of the writing you can do that they've they've done a good job of kind of like seeding all these little ambiguities and all these little character developments where it's like oh you know it could mean something else Mm -hmm. and then if they play off on that all the better if they don't it's like well okay then it was just a little bit of color but it you know it, it enriched everything
1: right so, um, wow. let's
0: see what else. Uh, oh,
1: and then, uh, w- we didn't actually say what the thing was with the, um, after, after junior kills, uh, Logan, mm-hmm. it, it appears that, that, that was like the magic juice needed to wake up.
0: Right. And that, and that's kind of 20,000 like, Chucky dolls. Right. And that's kind of evoking the, uh, the whole blood buddy thing that I had mentioned earlier. Um, where it was like the rage of the child so maybe chucky has discovered some sort of new voodoo ritual mm-hmm. that requires the corruption of the innocent mm-hmm. that might be that might be a thing but then again it gets into kind of all sorts of like um a um orientalism thoughts on voodoo and that sort of thing like the the I, eventually, I'm going to have to do an episode on exploring like how Chucky treats voodoo versus what actual voodoo is, um, because they're very, very different things. Um, I, I took a uh, class on like witchcraft and that sort of thing. Uh, we talked about voodoo and everything like that, and it, it was absolutely fascinating. We read some really cool stuff, and like it always made me interested in it. But there's definitely like a kind of orientalism in Chucky that I still kind of find hmm. problematic. Well, I uh, I always.
1: I always took... I mean, I think kind of what they... I assumed what they want me to do is just kind of assume, oh, it's some spiritual gobbledygook, right? Like, the words he says in his, like, famous chant, I think some of them are in French. Mm -hmm. Some of it's in Spanish.
0: Well, and then that matches, like, like kind of like the creole of, um, you know, uh, Louisiana and mm -hmm. uh, Jamaica, uh, the, the patois and everything like that. But it's just... Again, there's... Voodoo is like a well not voodoo uh, voodoo. voodoo. Uh, there's there's a difference between them. one is V O O D O O and then one is V O D O U. Um and, then and there's it, it's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's a real thing and while I appreciate like it as a device there's I do have some like issues with it which I do want to talk about. Like I'm I'm not an expert, don't get me wrong, but like I know enough through having read this stuff and there, there's definitely a conversation to be had there, and I want to try to find someone who knows a little bit more just to, because don't get me wrong, like, I love the device in the films, but I kind of hope they get away from it a little bit, mm. and maybe this is part of that, that whole blood awakening or something like that, because um that would be it, it is yeah. it is a culture, you know what I mean? It is a culture, it is a series of religious beliefs, Um and you it, you need to be able to be you need to treat these things with their <laughs> appropriate level of respect you can't just use them you know it'd be like me making a movie and then just having someone drink the communion wine and all of a sudden they become a zombie because <laughs> jesus was a zombie
1: sorry I, i'm gonna laugh over you talking it's just the whole time you're saying how they should be like respectful of it and everything i'm i'm in my head i just keep seeing Jennifer Tilly holding a bright yellow voodoo for dummies book.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and again it's part of the whole camp of the thing, but I I do feel like there's an important conversation to be had. Yeah. You know, whether or not it's like you could consider it cultural appropriation, you know what I mean? And I'm not for trying sure. to be like the ultra woke lib or anything here. Um, you know, cuz but like I think it's important because it's become such a fundamental element to the series. Um and it may be changing the way people think about this stuff hmm and it yeah. that's a lot of that's a lot of influence to have you know what i mean
1: yeah it it would be uh it would be interesting to for if someone were like a more of a expert on a, the that specific area of the occult to kind of like weigh you know? in on uh
2: yeah so on, you on, know
1: yeah on how those themes actually would be offensive or not offensive or would apply or wouldn't apply to that. Yeah. Point. See, cause I,
0: I don't know if it's even right. like truly offensive. I just, I don't know, but right. I feel like it's a conversation that has to be had. Yeah. So, um, no, I, am sorry. That, that's the end of my little, uh, <laughs> rant here, but no, I, I just, um, I, I wanted to like talk about that a little bit, but, um, w- uh, now I think with that being said, do you have one last thing you want to talk about or are we ready to kind of, uh, move into plugs Mm, I know. I think. Um. I
1: think I'm good.
0: I think we covered everything. I had notes on anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know, and we're not gonna like do an exhaustive thing because you know oh. we could be we could be at this for like hours. But um. Yeah. Or at least one, I could. <laughs> there was gonna say one last little thing that I liked, and it was just a quick.
2: Mm-hmm. kind of
1: one-off thing was uh, as Jake was going to the bus station, he was listening to Devin's podcast again. And I really like when they bring that in because it kind of reinforces yeah. their
0: relationship.
2: Well, and then that and, was the
0: podcast just before his mom. Died, right. Too, which is even right. more painful. <laughs> it is. But I also think like, because it's kind of,
1: um, it sort of ends it like what he's listening to. It ends on a positive note. Cause it's kind of saying like, remember that your town still sees you and your loved ones, even, you know, even maybe even after they pass, they'll see you. Yeah, and um, I think it was just nice to have that little that little bit that still shows you these kids are capable of being optimistic. They're not, yeah, Andy Barkley yet, right? Yeah. <laughs> they still got you a know, little bit of hope for the future. That's a
0: thing. That's a thing. I think we're going to see that like Jake doesn't become an Andy. Like as much as I love Andy, Andy does not have a good existence, <laughs> right? You know, at least it looks it looks like at least Jake can like salvage a little piece of his soul after yeah. all of this. So you know. So it's been, um, no, that's been a thing that I like. <laughs> I, I think that's a good insight, though. It's a very nice kind of writerly technique that, um, you know, Don and his writing team have, like, come up with, because it does a lot to kind of foreshadow, hopefully, the more optimistic direction that the, these, the, the lives of these children can go through. Right. So uh, now, with that being said, let's go ahead and move into plugs. Do you have anything that you would like to plug?
1: Oh, n- uh, nothing in particular. If you want Shit. to um <laughs> if you want to see me uh uh try to play mostly horror games and uh, be really bad at them and just kind of stream up consciousness, I do have a Twitch channel. It's Twitch that tv/fryhide f r y h y d e.
0: Okay, yeah, good question. Like why do you go by Fryhide? Um it's it's really stupid. Uh, when I was very <laughs> not, very not young, any I, stupider than why I go by H P K O M I C.
1: Oh I know why you go by H P K, and that one no one makes more sense. But when I was like twelve or whatever, I had to come up with some kind of web handle, and I was trying to be L O L random, and so I was like, oh fire hydrant, <laughs> but it all with Y's, and that was dumb. But I went by I was just people just knew me as that for a long time, kept going mm-hmm. by that, and eventually I just. Adapted in it into Fryhide. And uh, I like that a lot better because one of my favorite characters that has ever existed is Fry from Futurama, who I yes. identify with
2: <laughs> on quite a
0: personal level. <laughs> uh, yes, no, I love Fry. oh you know, that's interesting. Like, for those of us who have like these long standing, like online identities where we, you know, because the internet today is not so much about having those kind of usernames. You know, people are just going to put their names out there. But for like people like you and I, um we're known more by our online pseudonyms for a lot of people we know right you know it's for like sure. I, I when i when i when i say hi to you i don't i don't say hey like hey cory i say like uh hey fry you know that right. sort of thing it, it's just it's th- that's a subject for like a completely different conversation but it's just <laughs> interesting how for like a certain generation like we identify with these kind of very specific odd jokey names
1: right yeah, for sure. And, uh, and it's like the, the weirder it, or the more unusual it is, it's the more you stick with it. Cause it's like, it's always available on every new service that you have to sign up
0: for. Exactly. Um, yeah. So like you can find me as HPKOMIC on like everything. So like that includes, uh, Twitter. Uh, I went ahead and canceled my Instagram because I am now completely detached from the Facebook machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just, I'm, Fucking done with it. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, like, you can you can find me everywhere as HPKOMIC. That's, like, my my plug. Um, you know, make sure you listen to Supernatural Selection if you can. Uh, we're doing all sorts of uh, fun paranormal stuff. We're doing Patreon episodes. I'm starting my research on my Nostradamus episodes, which I'm very excited about. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we just were talking about doing a fun, like, little three-parter. Um, so, you know, it's... Um, I I love doing this podcast, but I really, really love showing up on Supernatural Selection. I just, I love being on that podcast. Uh, If you haven't heard it, go to (laughs) supernatpod.rocks. It'll take you to the website. Um, And uh, yeah, listen to the three-part series that I wrote on The Legend of Boggy Creek, because you learn more about a swampy skunk ape than you'll ever need to know.
1: Mm, Skunk apes.
0: (laughs) Skunk apes. Um, So yeah, uh, I think that's it for this episode. I'm like, hey, yeah, we could do this under an hour, and now we're like an hour and 12 minutes. Not too bad. (laughs) Yeah, not too bad. Um, That being said, Corey, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, absolutely. It was a pleasure, and uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, and then maybe I'll have you on for the Cult of Chucky episode, so that way we can get some real... Uh, tension going on here oh yeah, yeah I'll, <laughs> I'll
1: I'll rewatch it and
0: <laughs> yeah it, it's one of my favorites so it'll be interesting to like hear what your <laughs> thoughts on it are so okay. Uh, okay so i i think that's it again thank you for uh showing up uh thanks to the audience for listening uh and with that we're gonna close out so uh keep it creepy keep it creepy You have been listening to Kids' Stuff, a Chucky podcast, a Haunted MTL original podcast. Our theme is Pop Goes the Weasel by Kevin MacLeod. You can find more of Kevin MacLeod's music at incompetech.filmmusic.io. If you want to find out more about me, the podcaster, you can just go to HPKOMICS.com, HPComics.com, or you can find me on the socials at HPKOMIC. For more great horror content, do not forget to visit HauntedMTL.com.